Welcome, everyone, to the .NET Maui podcast. We're here to keep you up to date with the latest and greatest in .NET client development. We'll talk about some Azure, some Visual Studio, some Blazor, and, of course, .NET Maui. I'm Matt Sokup. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm David Ortnow. How's it going, everybody? It's good. It's basically 2023 already, right? It's like it's February's <laughs> basically over. Um, yeah. Yeah. The time, time starts to fly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know, you get to work and you start missing holidays, but eventually we catch up and uh, we got a holiday coming up here, but it's go time. Let's ship some things. That's exciting times. I mean, honestly, Donnet 20th anniversary. I mean, this is crazy. It's, uh, you know, I've been at it for, I guess, 15 years at this point, 15 ish mm-hmm. years. So, uh, you know, I started with Donnet 2.0. I, I missed the 1.1 one, one era, but, uh, you know, my first Visual Studio is Visual Studio 6, and I've been riding it, loving it uh, ever since, and I'm super excited for all the stuff that's coming. And I love the the artwork. I know we're going to talk about it later um, because there was a blog post. I did a Dev 2 one, and then I know Beth did one on the main one, but it's a great anniversary event. We'll put links so you can go watch all that. The .NET website is just beautiful and stunning. There's all this great artwork. I have like a cool little badge. You know, I, I'm not an e- I am an email person, but I'm not a let me put a bunch of logos and icons in the bottom of my email. I'm just not that type of guy, but right. I did for the Donna 20th anniversary because the artwork and the graphics and the wallpapers are just stunning. Hmm. Yeah. I updated my wallpaper. I uh, got that rocking and I actually used it in my blog post for the new uh, Maui release. So I thought that was a good uh, dovetail for the 20th anniversary. I myself uh, started, uh, I, I believe at the one release. I mean, my memory might be failing me, but I had an ASP product, uh, all VB script and I ported it right away to VB.net. And then within months uh, decided VB.net wasn't where I wanted to be. I'm going C sharp because all the samples were in C sharp. So I'm like, Oh, clearly I, I need to just skip over this thing. Um, but, uh, that was, yeah, that was years and years ago back. I, I posted a picture on Twitter back when I had a CRT monitor and green silicone cover for my iPod and, you know, <laughs> the, the good old days. Man, I don't remember. I mean, VB6 was before .NET, right? And so I can't mm-hmm. remember if I still had to use VB6 before I could transit like when .NET 1.0 was out, you know, 20 years ago, everything was hazy. You know, that's a long <laughs> time. <laughs> uh, yes, it was. Uh, I have uh, now children that are older than that. Yeah, I, I, I was working at a company that was doing VB6. Um, and so the transition to .NET was quite disruptive to the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was given free reign to, to do what I needed to do. And uh, so thankfully, somebody paid me to learn. Still a lot of VB6 out there. I know my wife's got to jump into some VB6 from time to time. So it happens. It's out there. I mean, we were, I was even talking, I was, I just did a a new video um, with one of the maintainers on core WCF. And some of the comments were like, well, you know, like there's so many new things out there like gRPC and, you know, obviously like just normal rest and, you know, do we need soap services? And, And people said, you know, there's a lot of, .NET framework stuff out there and people are looking to migrate and move. You don't want to rewrite your entire, your, you know, layer of communication, mm-hmm. right? So like there's these upgrade paths. When you think about it, there is this really beautiful story of, you know, you could have been developing WinForms applications 20 years ago. I don't know if WinForms was 20 years old. I guess maybe it's 20 years old. Oh, yeah. um, and then you can be running that on .NET 6, like right now, like 
That's cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that, that's amazing. I, I tell the story always that like I did projects in wind forms like back in college. So, you know, seven, 17, 16 years ago, you know, and I found the zip folders like with the, the source code and the X's and all stuff and they just opened, they worked. And uh, it was just amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. February 13th, 2002. So that is the, uh, the official anniversary date and the introduction of WinForms. So there you go. Boom. Wow. That's amazing. I love it. And, and, you know, uh, you know, shipping new things while maintaining some backwards compatibility uh, and allowing you to, you know, reuse and leverage all that code that you've written and proved in the market is a core uh, value prop of what we're doing with .NET MAUI. So with that, I'll segue into our new release. Um, we shipped Preview 13 of .NET MAUI. Uh, it comes in Visual Studio 17.2 Preview 1. And we are dangerously, dangerously <laughs> close to being feature complete. So I'm very excited. It's going to be kind of a, a moment by moment, release by release uh, decision here as to when we call it a release candidate. Um, but we're that close. So a um, couple highlights from this blog uh, and from the release, more importantly, <laughs> is uh, we've implemented the label formatted text. Now, uh, this is a really uh, cool feature of the label um, that is perhaps more important for mobile because uh, it allows you to really do a lot of pretty advanced formatting all within one label control. And when you're on a mobile platform, you're really trying to keep your view hierarchy, your number of controls to a minimum. And with the label formatted text, you can do just that. So you'll see in the blog post, I kind of mimicked the uh, the font preview uh, manager from Windows showing the uh, lazy brown fox, whatever, jumping over the thing uh, text. Well, I think it's the the monkey runs through the forest up a tree to oh, eat a banana. Missed you opportunity. Missed ah. oh. Well, it's all editable. <laughs> we can just go back and fix that. I just say, oh, you, you, you know, see this, here's what happened. You're too, <laughs> you're on, you know, we're on the island life, you know, mm-hmm. monkeys are on the islands as well. There's some legacy, there's some upgrading. Maybe like the, the monkey is now snuggling the, mm-hmm. the, you know what I mean? There's like, there's lots of <laughs> snuggle party and everyone's excited. They're actually having a celebration. You could have done so many things with it. I'm, um, there's I not even an image in it. I, I'm, I'm highly disappointed, <laughs> David. I, well, you know, Hey, I'll just say I'm, I'm saving it for the big blogs. You know okay. what I'm saying? The, okay. the GA blog, the RC blog. I'll, that's, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. All um, right. <laughs> uh, also in this release, uh, quite a few controls uh, have really have reached uh, a feature complete implementation. List view, radio button, swipe view, fly out, tab page, web view. Um, so we've been chipping away at the implementation of different properties, events, and such. And uh, so those are there now. Uh, certainly we're going to, uh, once we get to RC, f- turn our heavy focus to bug fixing and polishing. Um, but, you know, you can at least go break some things with those controls now. And uh, super excited that documentation continues to roll out just about every week. 
Um, we, we hear a lot of feedback in our surveys, talking to customers. We're currently doing customer interviews right now that are very focused and documentation comes up over and over and over again. Mm. Um, cause, because, and this is pretty awesome. So many people that are buying into Dynet Maui are brand new to the platform. Um, they are not coming from Xamarin's. I mean, we certainly have lots of people with Xamarin experience that are looking to modernize and migrate their apps forward. Um, but we've got, we've got folks converting from WPF and even WinForms. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And the documentation is super important there. And uh, the Blazor team has put out a set of hybrid docs. So if you're using the Blazor web view within Maui or WinForms or WPF, uh, you now have some documentation you can go refer to to help you get started. And the last thing that I'll call attention to here uh, is performance. So um, we have team uh, engineers across many teams within .NET uh, looking at our performance characteristics, especially on Android. Um, that's really where uh, we see the most room for improvement. And so in this release, um, Eric Earhart did some work on the uh, Microsoft Extensions builder pattern that we're using, which folks love and I cover uh, in a bit more detail in this blog post. And he identified that, hey, you know what, this host property, uh, we're not actually using it and it's very specific to the web sort of stuff. Um, in addition to that, you don't really need logging to be turned on when you are doing a release build. And if we uh, remove both of those things by default, then you're going to get a 13% performance boost when your app starts. So... That was a no-brainer. Um, the good news is, if you actually do find that you need those things, you can bring them back in. Logging is on in debug, um, but it's just now it's it's sensibly turned off when you do a release build. So, love to see those kinds of things continue to to uh, find their way into the product. Um, I know that there's other performance improvements that are uh, further upstream from us, and uh, once they they land in our repo, we'll get a chance to. Uh, refresh our benchmarks and see where we stand on those things. Um, that'll also impact our app sizes and our build time performance as well. So lots of awesome stuff uh, happening there. Uh, this was a chock full release. Um, and uh, something I'm super excited about, like I said, we're doing these focused customer reviews. So far hearing that folks are not having any problem upgrading from 17.1 previews to 17.2 previews, which is great because we know that that was an issue previously. And uh, we did quite a bit of investigation and work to address that. So if you are having issues, please reach out uh, through the send feedback feature. Let us know so that we can continue to improve that process. Ooh, so close to, to an RC, you guys. I can almost taste it. <laughs> now, I think one thing that's really neat that you mentioned in this blog post, and you know, John Dick and I, we had a lot of discussion over this, is a lot of that app builder startup stuff. But specifically, I like that you outline, there's already some things in the documentation that what you can do, like your configure fonts, right? In the mm. file new template, you will see it use Maui app and configure fonts. And if you're doing Blazor, then uh, Blazor Maui, you're going to see the hybrid scaffolding setup too. But what I love about your blog uh, is that you outline all the other things that you can do that people may not know. Like, for example, now you can configure essentials. And this was really inspirational because the team um, built the sample app and they sort of spec'd out what people would have to do in a real world scenario by testing all of the essential APIs. So now you can say configure essentials, which I believe by default, all this stuff is now 
all the boilerplate essentials mm-hmm. code is removed because inherently a Maui app uses essentials. So it's all mm-hmm. initialized for you automatically. But if you say configure essentials and you pass in a little uh, delegate into that puppy, you can do things now, for example, like um, configure your map tokens, you can put your app actions and all those other little quirky things that you may want to add up on top of essentials uh, that are in there. But now if you go into your main activity, I mean, it's uh, like zero lines of code, basically. You know what I which mean? Is, like there's- which is what you want, right? I <laughs> yeah. mean, you, you really want to be able to do all this stuff in one spot in your in your app, not in the other platforms. Yeah, it's super nice. And then you also, you know, you say that you can configure image sources, your handlers, your effects, and of course, the Blazor Maui web app. Now, the nice thing about that that host builder thing in general that that may, many people don't know about like what that thing is doing is that actually exposes ways for other people to kind of like loop in to stuff in general because it, mm-hmm. it returns this maui app builder thing but that actually isn't is a is an interface behind the scenes which is um or it has like a service collection and an mm-hmm. i logger and it has all these other things so you can get these containers and do di and all these other things under the hood so it kind of loops into a lot of this bigger picture stuff which is quite exciting and then i like that the that the community has been figuring out how to optimize it. Like you were talking about, uh, David and, and tweak and tune. And just this past, um, uh, week I've been working with Jonathan peppers, all the Jonathans in my life. (laughs) And I made this big proposal that I believe that we should go all in on, on, on shell as the main, the default, the way of doing things of teaching and doing all this stuff. I had this big proposal that wasn't really that big, but I, I spec'd out, um, I spec'd out uh, a PR and I did a, did a whole uh, repo of like what it would look like and all this stuff. Um, and of course, you know, it's just a page inside of shell. So it's, it's not like adding a bunch of stuff, but it is adding some nice default things to the file new template. And there's only one template that that's how you get a roll. But I worked with uh, Mr. Peppers to do some uh, profiling of the application. And there's some amazing tools that that team has been putting together uh, to run it. And, and, you know, in a little bit of time, I was running a few commands uh, with some global tools and I was profiling startup time to see the tweaks and the tunes uh, here and there. Uh, and mm-hmm. what's really nice is there's a lot of little bits that are hidden from you too when you release your app into um, into a release mode. Like all the defaults are actually the defaults you'd want. So it has all of the default startup tracing and, and all the special AOT flags that you would want. Um, and, and we were comparing back and forth a, a shell versus a non-shell type. And there's some optimizations there to do because we want everything to be the absolute fastest, like you were talking about when you do file new, you put it in release and uh, I have it. I had it on my pixel two XL. So this is a very old device at this point. Uh, and it's running Android 10. And I think the startup time was, uh, 550 milliseconds. Mm. Perfect. Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah, that's fast. Shell was like 700 milliseconds. So not quite there yet to flip the bit, but there was no optimizations there. So we're, we, Jonathan Peppers and I have been talking about that. So, you know, behind the scenes, this is the stuff the team's thinking about, you know, and I think that's kind of cool. You know, you don't, you don't read yeah. that in a blog post, but y- no. y- you do that when you listen to, to us on this podcast. <laughs> well, and so many people are thinking about it across, you know, I'm, I mentioned earlier, so many different teams within .NET and Visual Studio, um, 
it's got me super excited. I've been doing this for five years now inside Microsoft and uh, the, the teamwork, the collaboration happening right now is super exciting. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of that builder pattern, um, we are seeing other libraries. I, I featured the Maui Graphics Controls project. Um, I know that uh, the major component vendors for Xamarin and Maui are also looking at ways to utilize that same builder pattern. And I would definitely recommend folks go look at the .NET podcast sample app for how that kind of cleans up the whole mm. Maui program file and uses the extensions pattern to, um, you know, just put things in very nice, clean buckets. Uh, I yeah. thought that was really nice uh, how you did that. Yeah, and that one uses all of those uh, new dependency injection, IOC stuff, all that fanciness as well that was brought in with the last preview, um, which is also there, right? That's still, still there? Yeah, it's still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that was really awesome. cool. And I, yeah, I thought that was neat. The team did that. And then um, adding on and doing the dependency injection and registering your singletons and transients and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of those concepts will be new. I've been love looking at Twitter as the previews of role. And I think there's a lot of new knowledge because a lot of these new concepts that came from web um, are applying here to like, what, what should I use? Should I use a singleton or a transient? Um, like, right. what should I do? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and there's, there's going to be some best practices and guidelines. And like you said, as the documentation rolls out, um, I think everyone will be able to, to jam on it. But I was in there too. I was registering all my view models and I was like, well, you know, is it a singleton? Is it a transient? <laughs> you know, what is it? And just thinking through it. And, and it was quite fun. So. Yeah, and I have a I have a blog draft for uh, Maui Essentials to introduce that more in your face mm-hmm. uh, on the .NET blog. So I'm going to run that by you, and uh, yeah. maybe we can co-author it a bit together. Because well, you know, I hear some feedback. Like I mentioned, some people are coming fresh and they don't know what Essentials is, and they yeah. come looking for uh, something like a file picker, which is a UI control on Windows, um, and there is no direct equivalent within the Maui toolkit. But it exists in Essentials. Yeah. It's just you pick whatever input control you want, whether it's an, an entry or a button, uh, whatever the user gesture needs to be. And then you use the Essentials File Picker API. And it's super powerful. Like I was mm-hmm. reading through the docs and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, this is fantastic. But folks don't know about it, um, yeah. especially if they're looking for a UI control and it's not there. Um, so I think this is, uh, going to be a really useful blog post. That was one example. And I can't remember exactly what the other example was. Somebody was looking for something and said, it's not there. Why isn't it there? It's like, Oh, wait a second. It's in essentials. Well, yeah. And um, the best part is that, you know, working with David bridge and the, the documentation team, the whole idea is we're going to lift and shift all of the, um, all of the essentials documentation. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be called, they're not going to put it in a folder called essentials. It's going to go under platform integration. That's the goal mm-hmm. is here's accessing platform API specifically. Like here is how you invoke platform code, but here's all of these built in APIs into, into Maui, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. in the essentials namespace, but here's the cool part is with the implicit global usings. It's all it's all built in. I did a I did a demo at the .NET front end day on on .NET Maui Blazor, and and I just said file new, and I was like, here, let me show you how to access a native API connectivity .network access. And people are like, what? What? That's just built in. It's like, yes, yeah, built in. It's just there, right? Um, so I think that'll hopefully. I think that's a, a super compelling uh, demo. It's like it's all in the box. It's all there. 
So anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hearing feedback from folks that have been doing .NET for a decade plus, uh, saying that the new C Sharp 10 global usings and other niceties have really improved their code readability and cleaned things up. They're really liking it. And I'm super glad that for Xamarin developers who've kind of been stuck in the C Sharp 8 lands with .NET framework that now they get to enjoy the same, uh, you know, evolution of the language as it happens. So... Matt, are you awake? Oh, I'm still here. You know what, guys? I was gonna, I'm still here. <laughs> I was going to, I'm going to say something a little bit embarrassing. When I first saw the whole builder pattern, I was intimidated by it. Mm. Especially, you know, it kind of comes from the web world where, you know, I don't have a ton of experience lately. But um, as we get used to it, it's so nice to have. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, and even in the blog post that you just have out there, David, how you can actually put your platform life cycle events, if you have to use mm-hmm. that, put that right in there too it can just it just comes right in in your multi-platform code you don't have to dip down into like windows or android yeah and you learn it for maui you can use it on asp.net if you learned it in asp.net those skills translate so it's pretty awesome it's like one.net imagine that yeah yeah, we're getting there (laughs) so close Yep. So speaking of new releases, uh, Visual Studio 17.1 just came out this past week, and there's a couple new features in there in addition to all the bug bug fixes that uh, come along with uh, releases naturally. And one that I found really interesting in there is um, being able to finding text and files is going to work really fast now is because now just by default, when you launch Visual Studio, a separate executable gets launched along with that, and that executable starts scraping all of your files that you have in your solution, and it like indexes them. It's like this little data it goes like it builds this little database, and that way when you have to search for files, because Visual Studio is now you know sixty four bit, and you can have a million different projects in there, it finds them really fast. So it's like this index, like your files are now indexed. So you have this index find, mm. and it's turned on by default. You can turn it off if you if you want, but yeah, there's this little separate executable that runs along with uh, Visual Studio now in 17.1, which I don't know. I found it really neat, and um, we talked about this last time when when the last preview came out. Is uh, Visual Studio now automatically saves all your files in the background, so it's you don't have to worry about just things, you know losing things um, when you change around and there's some git changes in there and I don't know what this is and maybe James or David you can tell me what this means when I read about it it has enhanced detached head support for your git repos I have no idea what that is oh yeah so when you're in git there's there's this instance it kind of has to do a lot with like merging and fetching upstream all the time and sometimes what can happen is your your like it kind of gets lost a little bit i'm not a git expert so people can totally correct me in the comments or reach out to me on twitter but but basically sometimes like when it when you're merging and you're fetching things from upstream the there's some issues that can happen it kind of it's it it literally will say like detach from head which the 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 head of the repo i can't find the origin basically so i'm assuming they put in a bunch of you know nice little helpers because git is complicated sometimes it sure is yeah and we'll get we'll get to that how we can make git 
it less complicated, but just a second. And um, and also another neat thing that they put in there, just a little helper, is that you can um, filter your projects in a mm. solution. That way you don't have to load up everything that you have. Like, so if you have some projects you're not using for your current debugging session, don't load it. But sometimes you have that set and remembers um, over and over from Visual Studio launches. But let's say a new project was added. You pull down everything from Git. It's a dependency on one project that you had filtered out, and then it doesn't build, right? <laughs> you, you, a dependent project doesn't load because you had it filtered in your solution filter. Visual Studio now detects that, and you can load it in automatically. So it's like your solution filters now. Get smart, and you can bring mm-hmm. in project dependencies when needed. So, nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And um, yeah, so another thing I know, James, your team um, helps run this out is uh, we have a Let's Learn.net series. And uh, this month in February, it's all about Git and GitHub. Yeah, Jamie uh, Singleton from the team, she every single month puts on this Let's Learn.net series. And there are over a dozen of them, 14 of them or so. And every single month it is focused specifically on one of those different events. And they're all available on uh, the .NET YouTube and on docs.microsoft.com in a a nice little playlist. And also you can just go to live.net. That's where you find everything, and it's right there. There's a there's a let's learn.net button, and boom, you're right there. So yeah, this will be a cool one because it's going to be kind of broken down into 50-50 of like introducing like what is Git, why you need Git, why Git is important, and then also uh, integrations into GitHub, like GitHub Actions um, for your .NET application. So definitely take a look at that. Last month was .NET application modernization across desktop, web, framework to, to, to five and six. Um, there was machine learning, IoT, Razor Pages, F Sharp, Blazor, Accessibility, C Sharp, Microservices, Web API. There's so many of them. Um, it's awesome. So definitely check out that series. And they are live and interactive. They're a two-hour series where you can you can do stuff with the presenters. Like there is a, a follow-along module learning experience to it. And of course, plenty of time to ask great questions. So definitely check out that series. And, and all the live streams at live.net. Live, D-O-T, dot net. Live dot yeah dot 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 yeah. dot 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 net dot, dot live dot live <laughs> net no it's t- those are totally worth it and yeah like you said there's a whole archive of them there too so you can get into everything and there's new ones every month GitHub yeah. this month so and uh, another thing I wanted to talk about and this is going to go for my pick of the pod this is my <laughs> Azure news this is my Azure service of the month I'm rolling them all together brevity is king. It's queen. It's pure royalty today. It's Visual Studio Connected Services. Mm. Now, this is something that's been in Visual Studio for a while. And much like the builder pattern, I was I seen it. I didn't understand it. So I was like, eh, I'm not going to use it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I took the time to learn it, and I love it. And so it does exactly what you would think something called connected services would do. And it manages all your Azure services that you've added to a project. So let's say I want to add, um, let's say Azure Key Vault to a project. And so what it's going to do is I'm going to go out and it'll either say, I'll add Key Vault. And then it's going to download the appropriate NuGets for me. It's going to scaffold out some code for me. 
If I need to, it'll even provision Key Vault for me in in um, Azure. And it'll keep an ARM file in the solution for me if I ever need to reprovision that, like it disappears, or if I need to put it somewhere else, like in a different resource group. And yeah, and so there's a bunch of different ones out there too. There's like Azure Storage, which um, runs into a emulator if I want to run it locally instead of in Azure. So it'll pop up an Azureite container for me and run it all there. Again, it does the code. It does the NuGets. It does everything for me. So it connects and manages my Azure services. And there's new. And the reason I bring this up is that there's new ones being added all the time. Like So they're going to bring one out for a Cosmos DB that runs in a container locally. So you don't have to push that out. Obviously, you need uh, Docker installed. But... Easy enough. And it'll even download Docker and install that for you, too. So it like takes care of everything. All right. Here's where it gets even better. And this is where I first seen it. It's like during the uh, right-click deploy, which you're not supposed to do, but we'll get past that in a second. It's like when you publish to Azure. They're there, too. And so you have everything set up locally. But let's say you want to move to deployment and published to different Azure services. So you have your storage um, local running in a container, and now you want to actually use Azure Storage for it. And you have Key Vault also running. It'll Once you say, I'm going to configure this Azure Storage account in Azure, it's going to, and you have your connection string, it's going to create that connection string for you in Key Vault, provision Azure Storage for you in Azure, and keep everything in the pub XML file, the publish XML file for you. So it, and it'll download any nougats if you needed them as well. So <laughs> it's taking care of everything. Like it's automatically doing all the hard work so you don't have to remember anything. Now, here's the coolest part. Now this was added back, I think in 20, Visual Studio 2019, but again, I didn't know about it until now. GitHub Actions is actually a deployment per- target as well. So now you can actually, instead of automatically deploying the Azure right-click publish, you can create a GitHub Action YML file and then push that up to GitHub. And then every time you do that, the GitHub Action will get run and then things get published for you. So now you have this whole CI/CD pipeline that it gets created and managed all within Visual Studio. Amazing. It's Beautiful. there. I never knew it was there and it just... It really does just work. And there's new um, um, services being plugged out all the time with uh, every release. So, yeah, check it out. Nice. I'm used to that menu, too, because it also, that's where you can configure, like, RESTful backends with Swagger and gRPC and right. WCF and other things, Open API and all those other things in there, too. So, super nifty uh, if you are, are doing some stuff in there, right. that's for sure. Yeah, and one more thing. I'm not done with it. Oh, my <laughs> it'll gosh. Even, it'll even see, like, let's say you have the Cosmos DB um, SD or NuGets downloaded, right? It'll even say, hey, do you want to make this a connected service? Do you want to bring this in? And it's mm. like, and that's where I suddenly like, no, I don't trust you. Why are you, why, <laughs> why are you recommending this? But now I do. I let it take care of everything for me. So, yeah, check it out. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, that is going to do it for this podcast, but that brings us to the pick of the pod because the news is done. We got to pick of the pod and I'll go first because I'm the only one that has anything written down uh, <laughs> because 
I have been on a rant recently, not only on Merge Conflict, another podcast from me that you can listen to right now on your podcast app. You can just type in Merge Conflict. Like, you know, like when you are merging code and there's a conflict, it's, it's, it's the name of the podcast too, Merge Conflict. <laughs> See what we did there? It's cool. Developer. Uh, episode 292, nearly 300 of these puppies have been out. 292 is the Developer Guide to In-App Subscriptions. And I've been on a journey of updating, modernizing, and bringing my in-app billing plugin to not only the latest and greatest features that iOS and Android uh, expose, but also, and Mac, also to, uh, and Windows, and to uh, .NET 6 with .NET MAUI as well. Uh, So one thing in this blog post that I outline is uh, subscriptions are quite complicated in general compared to a single-time purchase, Uh, But I outline in my blog post everything you need to know, what the setup is, how you can do subscriptions without a backend. Of course, you should probably have a backend to do receipt validation. But if you don't want to do receipt validation, that's totally up to you. And that's a decision that you have to make in life, but you should totally do it. Uh, But um, there is my in a billing plugin that I updated to give you all sorts of new information about the subscriptions, the length, introductory offers, discounts that you may give. And I just rolled out a brand new version of uh, 6.0 and 5.0. 6.0 builds against .NET 6. Um, 5.0 builds like the legacy branch um, against VS 2019 and the new ones VS 2022. So based on if you're you know in, in the Xamarin Forms world or not, and you still got that compatibility um, in there. And it's all updated and it's all in, in uh, Azure uh, DevOps pipelines. And uh, I build and deploy those both at the same time. So as I'm adding new features, the code's backwards compatible. And I just recently cleared out basically every single issue uh, in that repo. <laughs> Most of them are questions. And since I uh, took some time this holiday to actually investigate subscriptions for the longest of time, I wrote an entire blog post on it. I'm about to do a video, did a whole podcast on it. Um, all the things basically, uh, and it's a fun journey. So definitely check it out if you are interested in it, because obviously there's many ways to monetize applications, but a good way of doing it is subscriptions and the core APIs are there for you to use. And I've abstracted it into a pretty nice library. I I, I think I (laughs) I use it. I, I ship, I ship apps with it. So it's out there. Nice. Uh, well, while you were, uh, telling us about that, I did go pick a, pick a pick of the pod. Um, however, before I mentioned that I was searching to see, okay, no results found. So if I were to ever launch a podcast, now that I'm going to say it, somebody listening to it, um, you have merged conflict. I think maybe I'll go with detached head. <laughs> I think, I think that could be pretty interesting. Um, uh, who knows what we would talk about? Um, so my pick of the pod, uh, VJ Anand, uh, publishes Maui templates. Mm-hmm. So in the box, and we were just talking about, uh, moving our default templates to shell totally going to happen. Um, but, uh, VJ has several different options for you and you can just install this directly on the command line. They will show up in Visual Studio as well. And he may actually uh, publish them as a Visual Studio extension uh, if Mm -hmm. you go look at the extension store. But we'll link here to the uh, NuGet and you can just install it on the command line. He has templates for just a plain blank one screen, hierarchical, which is navigation, kind of a drill down uh, uh, navigation pattern, tabs, shell, 
and hybrid. Hybrid is uh, using Blazor WebView. And of course, we do have uh, our own Maui Blazor templates as well. But, uh, you know, it's great to see all these other options out there because um, we'll maintain, uh, you know, the default templates kind of demonstrating what we think is a best practice. But best practice doesn't mean it's right for you. And you may have a different need and you want to go poke around at some of these other options. So um, he also has some item templates, which are like, hey, I just need a page. Mm. Um, and we, we have that as well in, in a Maui class library. So anyway, definitely check that out. Uh, always good to see the community pitching in and filling in the gaps where we might not publish something. And now you have options. Anything from you, Matt? You got to pick of the pod? Visual Studio Connected Services. Okay. Yeah, I, I got to roll it all together. He, he triple dipped on that thing. I triple dipped. Quadruple yeah. dipped or something. I'll, I'll do Matt's pick of the pod, which Thank is you, a Figma community file from our good friend Voslov. Um, I was recently this weekend updating my Mac app, which runs Xamarin Forms. And I wanted to get those new Big Sur icons. I got the rounded corners. I got a bunch of buffer. And I don't know what I'm doing, you know, as far as like how much space needs to be there. Voslov totally has one uh, just sitting on there. And I went duplicate. I added my, you know, my one that I got made off of Fiverr. And I resized it. And I exported it. And boom, I have all my beautiful um, Mac OS icons um, just ready to go. Because... I did an entire blog and video on easyappicon.com, which is a great website for doing iOS and Android applications, uh, you know, there. Now, of course, everything gets easier with .NET MAUI, right? But if you're still living in the James world over here of, of uh, Xamarin Forms, you need some icons and you're going on Mac, you're doing other things. I mean, there's a, there's a treasure trove of, of stuff going on. And it, it's also fun. You can like see your like remixes and people like creating different stuff. But anyways, I needed it and it existed and it was great. So boom, pick the pod. Awesome. I had no Rules. idea Figma had a community. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. So cool. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I just discovered that as well. So, and you can just click on it and then clone, duplicate, and then you're done. You can mm-hmm. remix it. So, so cool. That's it. We did it. Podcast over. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the .NET Maui podcast. Of course, don't forget to reach out to us all the time on Twitter or on the website or anywhere. Um, just email David directly and tell him how excited you are for all the new features. If you have a pick of the pod, send it in. We want to hear from you. What are your picks of the pods that you love? Like, Tell us about the stuff. Go and tweet at us. Tell us. Do all the things. But that is going to do it for this month's dot mi podcast make sure you subscribe because matt over there's doing a whole bunch of awesome interviews with developers around the globe uh, and if you're a dot mi developer reach out to him as well so until next time this has been your dot mi podcast